from KQED. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's see. I don't think I've turned this thing on in five months. Oh, password. Password, password, password. Uh, all right. I'm a little scared to open my email, but here we go. <gasps> 23,157 unread emails. Hey everybody, Olivia Allen Price here, and I'm back in the Bay Curious host chair after taking some time off for maternity leave. In January, my family welcomed baby Sullivan into the fold. Hey Sullivan, what do you want to say to people? He's really into this trilling noise at the moment. Yeah, I I don't know. Anyway, while I was gone, I tried to give myself a bit of a break from the news. And to be honest, I'm still getting caught up. Like, wait, what? We might be electing a new governor? Today, Guy Maserati on the KQED Politics and Government Desk is going to be our personal news concierge. He'll walk us through what is going on with the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom, how we got here, what it all means, and who is running against the governor. Plus, we'll take a look back at a gubernatorial recall of yesteryear. We've got a quick sponsor message, but don't you fret. I'll be back. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Ballots for the recall election will arrive in our mailboxes any day now, and we've all got a big decision to make. Should we keep Governor Gavin Newsom in office or replace him with someone else? Here with me today is Guy Maserati with KQED's Politics and Government Desk. Hey, Guy, it's been a while. Hey, I'm honored to be your first guest back. So like I said, I am pretty out of the loop on all this recall stuff. Can you start us at the very beginning? Where did this recall effort start? The actual recall petition started early in 2020. It's a laundry list of, you know, Republican complaints, conservative complaints about his governance. Inmates fleecing the state for $2 billion, record homelessness, pension debt, high taxes, unaffordable housing, a moratorium on fracking, a sanctuary state in clemency. Um, You won't find any mention in there of COVID-19 or or pandemic-related issues. And it really wasn't until the pandemic started, uh, deep into the pandemic, that this actually picked up steam. In California, we have a pretty low threshold to actually get a recall on the ballot. You only need 12% of voter signatures from the last uh, governor election. And, you know, 
we often have petitions that come up short that are started and failed. This one for many months looked like it was headed in that direction. What changed? Actually, a few things uh, all came together. Um, Perhaps the biggest was that in early November, a a judge gave the recall campaign a four-month extension to continue collecting signatures. Basically, the argument was the stay-at-home orders made it hard to get out and get signatures. So they got an extension from November until March, and that was huge. I mean, we can say there's no way this would have made it to the ballot if it didn't get that extension. And then the the extension really coincided with COVID-19, the pandemic, hitting its worst stage in California. Um, and a third layer, Newsom really started to make some uh, self-inflicted errors. Tonight, while Governor Newsom is telling all of us to have Thanksgiving dinner outside, he's facing some new fallout for that fancy birthday dinner party he went to at the French Laundry. So on the same day that the judge gave the recall campaign an extra four months, he goes out uh, with other families and dines at this, you know, luxe restaurant in Napa Valley. So all those things coming together really lit the fuse for this recall campaign to gain steam. At the end of April, we got word from the Secretary of State that the campaign got enough signatures to get this on the ballot. All right, so now we know that a recall election is going to happen. So how has the Newsom camp and Democrats really responded? Well, it's been interesting. Uh, You know, Newsom, he's still governor. He gets to use the power of being governor to push back against this recall. He's out almost every day, it seems like, at events that seem almost campaign related, right? He may not be announcing something new, but he's touting either, you know, small business recovery grants, stimulus checks to people, rent, uh, renter protections. He's really trying to make his uh, agenda visible to the public. And we've really seen Newsom's allies, Democrats uh, in government, use the wheels of government Uh, to help Newsom in this recall. The biggest example of that is when the recall will take place. We initially thought this was going to go before voters probably, you know, in the fall, maybe November, even as late as December. And Newsom's allies in the legislatures, Democrats felt like the best opportunity for Newsom to survive this recall is to have it on the ballot as soon as possible. So we even saw Democrats in the legislature change election laws in order to speed up the recall process as it was going and get this on the ballot in September. If you hear about the petitioners, they would have liked this to happen yesterday. Here's uh, San Francisco Assemblyman Phil Ting making the point that, look, if you want to get Newsom out of office, speeding up allows you to get him out of office as soon as possible. Sounds like everybody is playing politics here. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of voting. How is this going to work this time around? So it'll be really similar to how voting worked in 2020 in California. Every voter will get sent a ballot in the mail by default, but there will also be in-person voting opportunities. What are we actually going to see on the ballot? The first question is whether or not Newsom should be recalled. So it's a yes or no. Yes to remove him from office. No to keep him in office. And then there's a second question. If Newsom is removed from office, who would you like to see as his replacement candidate? And so then uh, voters will get to choose from a list of 46 potential replacements. (laughs) 46 candidates. Wow. I don't know that I've ever seen that many on a ballot before. And it's it's key to note that even if you vote against the recall, even if you vote no on that first question, you can still pick a potential replacement in question two. Who are some of the bigger names on that list? And are any Democrats coming out against Newsom? 
Well, I think your last question is the key one. No, there are not any high-profile Democrats coming out against Newsom, which was a huge goal of the governor's campaign, is make sure that no well-known Democrat jumped into the race. Therefore, they can kind of define this as Republicans versus Democrats. And if you're just looking at registration numbers, that's a good game to play if you're a Democrat uh, in California. As far as the folks who did make it onto the ballot, we've kind of seen it broken down into two buckets, you know, traditional politicians and then entertainers, celebrity types. Um, We've seen, you know, former San Diego mayor Kevin Faulkner, who was long discussed as a potential opponent for Newsom. He'll be on the ballot um, in in addition to a former gubernatorial candidate, John Cox, a Republican who lost to Newsom in 2018, um, as well as, you know, other Republicans like Ted Gaines, Kevin Kiley, more traditional establishment Republicans. Then we see the entertainment set. Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know, reality TV star, former Olympian. She's going to be on the ballot. Larry Elder, a conservative talk radio show host, he'll be there. So I think it's it'll be interesting to see uh, if Californians voting, you know, on these replacement candidates, who they go for, the kind of more traditional politicians or like we saw in 2003, someone who's, you know, coming from outside of the world of politics. Now, there have been 55 attempts to recall a governor in California history, and 54 of those failed. They didn't collect enough signatures to make it to a ballot. So that we're even voting on this at all, it's pretty historic. The only time there's been a successful recall like this was in 2003, the recall of Governor Gray Davis. Guy, tell us a little bit about that race. The real dynamics of that race were Gray Davis uh, had just run one re-election, but he was really unpopular. The campaign to put Governor Gray Davis up for a recall election has received so many signatures, political consultants now consider it no longer an if, but a when. The recall got on the ballot, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger jumped into the race. I will go to Sacramento, and I will clean house. As you know, I don't need to take any money from anybody. And Schwarzenegger was, you know, kind of a more liberal Republican. Plus, he had this enormous star power. He didn't need to introduce himself uh, to voters at all. And then importantly, there were a high profile Democrat in the race as well. Then Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante also got on the ballot, which kind of muddled the no on recall message because you had high profile Republicans and Democrats vying for the office. So it became harder for Democrats to sell that simple no vote no on the recall message. And ultimately, of course, we know how that election ended. Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of California. Guy, how's the climate around this election different? Not having that Democrat on the ballot is a key difference from where we were in 2003. There's some other differences, too. Newsom's popularity at this point is a lot higher than Gray Davis's was. And we don't have any candidates on the ballot that have that Arnold Schwarzenegger type celebrity, that buzz that would really generate interest in the recall. But I think that kind of cuts both ways. We saw a lot of interest and a lot of turnout to the 2003 recall. I think a risk for Newsom at this point is if his supporters don't know what's happening or don't turn out, that's a you know possible way that he could be removed from office. I was poking around the Secretary of State's website. I wanted to see what other recall attempts there had been. And I'll say that the list is, is long. You're right when you say that recall attempts are not uncommon. But I did notice that the number and frequency of them seems to have really increased. Why is this becoming just something we're seeing more of? 
Well, I think you can definitely connect it to this hyper-partisanship that we have in politics today, and it's why you have concerns, particularly from California Democrats, that this recall process is just going to be used more and more frequently in the future by Republicans in the state in order to get Democrats out of office because the threshold to get a recall on the ballot is currently so low. So Democratic officials have already said they want this process to be reevaluated after this election. And what's interesting Olivia is even though we've seen historically Californians are very protective of our system of direct democracy, there could be some appetite for change among voters. We saw recent polling from the Public Policy Institute of California that found two-thirds of likely voters would support some change to the recall process, and majorities got behind ideas like maybe raising the signature threshold to qualify a recall or saying that only illegal or unethical activity on the part of the governor could actually spark a recall process. All right. Guy Maserati is a reporter and producer with KQED's California Politics and Government Desk. Guy, thanks so much for walking me through this one. My pleasure. Since this is my first episode back, I want to give a special shout out to a few people who really just stepped up while I was away. Producer Katrina Schwartz has been rocking the host seat for the last six months, and wow, she has done a fantastic job. She also took over my role as editor of the show, which means she helps to guide every single episode from the beginning up until the moment that we hit publish. Total rock star. I also want to thank Susie Racho, who came to the team as producer. Susie can make a story sing like nobody else can, and her get-it-done attitude just really kept the show not just humming along, but ahead of schedule. Thank you, Susie. Finally, I want to welcome our new intern, Sebastian Mino Buccelli. He's a student at San Francisco State who will be helping us out for the next six months. Welcome, Sebastian. Our show is made by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Sebastian Mino Buccelli, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Can you say Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED? Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is... This Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.